0: Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I love that. That's like the um, when Jesus talks about having the heart of a child. I just love that. So a brief comment today. Uh, I was very tempted, uh, before we jump into our, our main reflection this morning, I was very tempted today to preach on the motu proprio of Pope Francis. Uh, I saw like 18 heads just went up. Uh, If you don't know about that, Pope Francis came out, uh, I think, two days ago, and put some pretty stringent restrictions on the celebration of the Trinitine Mass. We're not going to talk much about that today, Uh, but just two quick notes I just want to mention on that. Uh, The Catholic world, there's a lot of noise about this in these days. And what I want to uh, call everyone in our church to is that the source of our Catholic life is Jesus himself. And there's lots of details about and questions around the form of the liturgy. But the source of our life is nothing else but him. He is the source of our unity. He is the source of our life. And there's a lot of very uncharitable things going on the, on the internet right now. And a lack of charity is never okay. Second thing that I just want to mention I hope you've noticed this in Lord's, I'm sure you have. Part of our mission as Catholics, there is the liturgy that happens here in the church, in the Mass, and there is the liturgy of our lives. We have both of those things liturgy, right, is one of the Greek words for worship in the New Testament. But the liturgy here, what we strive for here is, is just like the incarnation. It is where something that is divine, right, that is, that is of God, and it touches humanity. And part of our job as Catholics is that when we have someone walk in these doors by the time they leave, and maybe it's their first time, but they walk in and they say, that was so like I belong there. It was human enough that I felt like I I belonged. Even though I'm a sinner and even though I'm not perfect, I belong in Our Lady of Lords. And then secondly, they walk away and they say, that was so beautiful and reverent that I feel like I touched God. Somehow we've got to find a way, not just in what we do in this building, but in the way we live our lives has to have both of those elements. And if we do that well, the church will thrive in our time. I'll be talking more about that on the podcast. If you, if you don't know about Gregorian Rand, we'll talk about that at some point. But though that's enough for today. So if you've been at Lord's long enough, you know, in my house growing up at Five Canyon Cedar, when I was a kid, I loved that, that place. So in Five Canyon Cedar in our house, <clears throat> we had a normal kind of suburban household. We had one of those split-level houses. You walked in on a, a main level, and there was the upstairs went to the, the bedrooms, and there was a lower level that went down to where we had our, our family room, and the kitchen was on the main level, we had a dining room. And we had all the different rooms a normal family kind of has. Um, and one of those was, of course, the forbidden zone. Um, and I'm not kidding. When we were growing up, My parents, just like any family, you know, you talk about, well, we've got the dining room, we've got our family room, there's the kitchen, and we've got the Forbidden Zone. And I thought that was a normal room every family had. (laughs) I really did. Uh, As you grow up, you learn how weird your family is. And so I'd be at school, right, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like, do you guys, your parents let you guys in the Forbidden Zone? they're like, what are you talking about? Like, like, you guys are weird. We had a forbidden zone. And I didn't know why for a long time. And one of our, our families here, um, they're here today. Uh, my friend Andy has a great line where he says, when you have kids, everything you own is either lost, broken, or sticky. Uh, which is why I'm a priest. So. <laughs> But I love that line, everything you own is either lost, broken, or sticky. That's such a great line. That's why you have a forbidden zone, right? And I think that's what my parents were doing is that everything in our house was lost, broken, or sticky because there were three little boys running around, and that's what little boys do. Uh, and the simple image of that, right, and it's true, in our, in our house, the forbidden zone Everything else was chaos. But that one room was kept tidy. Uh, It was always kind of cleaner than the other rooms. There wasn't junk everywhere. Um, And my parents did that, and I think this is a powerful image of what I want to talk to you about today. Um, Today, the basic message that I think the scripture has for us is I want to talk about in your soul and in your life, You have to have a forbidden zone. And today I want to talk to you about a forbidden zone inside of your soul. We all need that. The reason my parents, of course, the reason we do those things is that the things we value in life are the things that you and I put protections around. Right? A lot of people, they caricature the Catholic faith as just something that's full of arbitrary rules. And, of course, we have to be careful that it doesn't become that. I think some Catholics live their faith that way. But if we understand our faith properly, rules in life are about protecting things that matter. And so today, Jesus calls us to rest. And what I want to zero in on today, brothers and sisters, is God commands us to rest. In the Ten Commandments, the commandment to observe the Sabbath, is the third commandment of God. And today I want to hopefully break open that commandment a little bit in our gospel, but all of our readings, right? Our our first reading from Jeremiah 23 is about God being our shepherd. And then our responsorial psalm, Psalm 23. It's a great psalm to memorize. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verdant pastures he gives me repose. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. And in our gospel today in Mark 6, Jesus fulfills that. That's why all of our readings hang together today, is that 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 theme is that Jesus is that shepherd who fulfills that. And who can give rest to your souls. So if you're going to have rest in your soul... There has to be within your soul a forbidden zone. There has to be. And the reason for this is because what our world is filled with, and if you've been here long enough, you've heard me preach about this, the world will never be satisfied with what you give it. The world will never be satisfied with what you give it. The world is always going to demand more of you. It will never leave you alone. It will never back off. It will never require less of you than it does today. The world always wants everything you've got. The world is gonna want all of your money. The world will want every thought of your heart and of your mind. The world will want to fill every single space in your life and claim ownership I think the last time I preached about this, another great, great way of looking at this is that classic book, like one of my top five, if you give a mouse a cookie, right? right? And if you give a mouse a cookie, right, he's going to ask for a glass of milk, right? And if you give a, a, the mouse and he prevails on you and you give a, gla- a mouse a glass of milk, right, he's going to want a straw. Thank you. the rest of you lose. (laughs) And I I actually couldn't remember at the last Mass, there's a bunch of parents and they're like, oh yeah, they knew like the whole like progression. Like my kid makes me read that book eight times a day to them. That mouse is a lot like the world. If you open your soul to the world... What you always think is, if I give my soul just a little bit to, it's okay to give my soul to pop culture. It's okay to give over my heart and my soul a little bit to politics. It's a little bit to give my heart and my soul over a little bit to just worldly desires. If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk. I promise you it won't stop. One last image today. And just, I want you to think about this. I want you to go home today, and I want you to think about this reality interior to who you are as a person. One one last image for this. I was on National Geographic just thinking about this. Because I had thought about a great image for for what I want to say to you today, brothers and sisters. A good, good image is invasive species. So National Geographic gives a great example. Actually, I don't need to read this. National Geographic gives one example is brown tree snakes. Your favorite animal and mine. (laughs) But they were talking about invasive species on their website when I was reading. And one example they gave is brown tree snakes in Guam. And in the late 1940s and early 1950s, somehow, these snakes made their way to Guam probably accidentally. But they don't have natural predators in Guam, and there's lots of food for them to thrive on. And so somewhere in the late 40s, early 50s, they were introduced. And at the time, Guam had 11 species that were indigenous, of 11 birds that were indigenous to kind of the forests of Guam. Today, only two of those species exist. Because the brown tree snakes, when they invaded that habitat, there was nothing to stop them. The world wants everything. The world is not content if you're efficient at your job. The world is not content if you have a perfectly manicured lawn and you have a house that can make it in better homes and gardens. The world is not content when you have washboard abs and when you know everything that's happening in pop culture and you know everything about the Britney Spears trial, which I know you do. (laughs) And You remember when you're driving home listening to Britney Spears today, you'd be like, oh, dang it, FB. The world wants to own every inch of your soul. And if you do, my the the one thing I want you to get today, brothers and sisters, is that if you do not draw a line in the sand, it will never stop. And not just with bad things, but with good things. Today in our gospel, the apostles, right last week, the Mark 6 at the beginning, Jesus sends out the twelve and they go out on mission. And then in between, we skipped it, but we have the story of the death of John the Baptist. And today, the apostles come back from mission. And they have been doing really good things. They've been preaching the gospel. They've been healing the sick. They've been casting out demons. And Jesus says, come away to a lonely place, to a desert place, is what the Greek says. Come away to a desert place and rest. If you do not have rest in your life, and we're gonna get to that here in just a second, if you do not have rest in your life, you will never find joy in your faith. As we have to know what rest is. Rest, brothers and sisters, and if if you want a great book on this, today's one of those hard Sundays for me. There's so many things I wanna say to you, and there's not time. If you want a good book on this, it's not an easy book. But Joseph Pieper's Leisure, the Basis of Culture is in our bookstore. It's one of the top five books, along with, if you give a mouse a cookie, that has changed my life. But in all seriousness, it really did. That book is one of the books that transformed the way I look at how I should live my life. Here's what Pieper says. Rest. Here's what rest is not. Rest is not s- not doing work. When you and I think of rest, we tend to think of two things. We tend to think that rest is either the absence of work or it's restful activity, right? It's I went to the mountains and I, and I went and skied for the weekend. We tend to think that rest is one of those things. And here's the thing, it's not. Both of those things are fine and good and even necessary. But that's not what rest is. Peeper convincingly shows us this. What rest is, rest is a state of soul. Rest is a state of soul. And what it means is it means that my soul is in harmony with myself with God and with the world around you. And we all know this, you, every one of us has had that vacation where we came back more exhausted than when we left. Right, we've all had that. And it's because your soul is not in harmony with your, with your very being or with God or with the world around it. Rest is not an activity or the absence of an activity. Rest is a state of soul. The church fathers say that if you have your soul united to Jesus Christ, right, Lord, if my soul is in harmony with you, if you are my shepherd, if you are the one who casts out the noise of the world, and the dominion of Satan within me, then for me, every day is Sabbath. The person who has rest in their souls, brothers and sisters, if you have that rest within you, you carry that rest with you everywhere you go. But if your soul is in a state of disharmony, You will also carry that with you everywhere you go. That's what rest is, but how do we get there? There are certain things that give, that are practical, that make it possible for you and I to truly find the kind of rest that we all want. I don't want to go on a vacation if I come back more stressed out than when I left kind of rest I desire is what Psalm 23 speaks about. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verdant pastures he gives me repose, beside the quiet waters he leads me, he restores my soul. Here's what I want to challenge you today to do that. There's lots of things you can do. One of them is to obey the commandments. When we obey the commandments, we stop being at war with the way God created us. If I'm filled with lust and envy and pride and jealousy, my soul is at war with itself. But today, one of the commandments God gives us is the commandment to rest. The third commandment is you shall observe. I keep saying that. You shall observe the Sabbath. Right? Every week. Third commandment of God. Why is this so important? And I want to help you to to embrace this and to enter into it. What the Sabbath does, and for us, Sabbath is Sunday. What Sunday does for us, it does in time what a church does for space. The Sabbath is to time what the church is to space. When you walk into this church, you know you're not in a normal place. The church puts walls against the world. And when you walk in, I love this, our architect, one thing I never knew about churches, but I love this, is Adam Hermanson, our architect, said, when you go to a church, the doors should be heavier than normal because the outside world has a barrier from coming in. church marks off a space that does not belong to the world. In this church, there is no room for eating fast food or any kind of food, except for the Eucharist. In this church, is not a place to be on your phones. In this church, is not a normal chit-chat place. It is set apart and sacred. And you can only make something sacred when you put a boundary on it. Sunday for us, does the same thing. And so the number one concrete thing I want to call you to today, right? This is reason 2,876,000 why by going to Mass every Sunday is not just an obligation but should be the absolute center of your life. And so Jews, remember two things I want to leave you with this day. There's two concrete things when you go to church every time we're here with God and not just in mass but also all of Sunday there are two things that scripture reminds us Sunday should do for us and the first thing is this the first thing is creation so when God creates the world right he rests on the seventh day the Sabbath day is the day of rest and when Jews observe Sabbath this is in Exodus chapter 20 when Jews observe, observe, I can't say these today. When they obey the Sabbath, what they do, the first thing is they remember the goodness of creation. That is explicit in, in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. God commands us on the Sabbath day to remember the goodness of creation. Today, turn off your phone. Turn it off turn off your computer turn off the noise of this world go outside and rejoice in the goodness of creation the new testament tells us that so the the sabbath we remember that god created the world on sunday in the resurrection of jesus christ all things were made new 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. Jesus, on Sunday, you make me new. The old life where I lived in the busyness and the distraction of the world is over. And in the resurrection, you recreated the world, Jesus, and you remade me. And on Sundays, I remember that. And Lord, I rejoice in the goodness of my new creation. The second thing is this. On Sabbath, in Deuteronomy 5, God tells us that when you rest on the Sabbath, you will remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that God brought you out with a strong. Brothers and sisters, the world wants to make you a slave. Our consumeristic, individualistic, narcissistic society wants you to think about the things you don't own. It wants you to think about how many friends you have on Instagram. It wants you to be a slave to every whim of the world. God's children are not slaves. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ freed me from my slavery. And so Sunday is a day where I remember that I am not a slave, but I am a son. What an amazing thing. How do you do that? Right, of course, coming to Mass? But I want to encourage you, if you give a mouse a cookie... It's going to ask for a glass of milk. If you let an invasive species into a new habitat, it's going to destroy it. If you let the world into the treasure of your soul, you will find you have nothing left. One of the most practical, amazing things you can do to grow in holiness is to make Sunday the Lord's Day. Six days of the week we seem to belong to this world, but on the seventh day, I am reminded that I do not belong to this world. I am not a slave to consumerism. I try not to shop on Sundays. It's not a sin to go to the grocery store. Every time I talk about this, people are come and they're like, Father Brian, I mowed the lawn and went to the grocery store. Those aren't sins. The point is, though, but if you're going and shopping in malls, somebody has to work. And our culture is a little less Christian because you and I don't have a culture where people observe Sunday. So Today, brothers and sisters, today should be the highlight of your week. When I first understood this, when I first got to a place in my life where I got this, Sunday used to be my least favorite day of the week because I did all my homework on Sundays, and I just dreaded Monday all day long. When I got this, I made a vow never to do homework again on Sundays, and not to do work that was servile in nature. Sunday is the best day of my week. And I know I'm a priest, and people say, well, you work on Sundays. No, I don't. I don't work on Sundays. This moment at this Mass, right, saying Mass with you, and remembering the goodness of the new creation, that I will rise to when I rise from the dead, and remembering that I am not a slave. I was not made to have an empty inbox. I was not made to possess material things. I was not made to be owned by this world. Jesus, same Mass on Sundays with my people. Lord, this is the day of my freedom. Jesus, today and every Sunday, Lord, may you be our rest.